0: Welcome to Coaching Kids Curling, a podcast for youth curling coaches and program organizers. I'm Glenn Gabriel, a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. My mission is to give you the advice, resources, and inspiration you need to make your program better. The state of Wisconsin has a long tradition of high school curling. In this episode, I talk about that topic with the co-chair of the Wisconsin High School Curling Association, Jim Wendling. Wisconsin is the only state in the USA that organizes a high school curling championship. In today's episode, I speak with Jim Wendling, a teacher at Wausau West High School. He gives me an overview of high school curling in Wisconsin, including his own program. We talk about a popular high school event called the T.G. Bonspiel, and finally, he gives advice about how to get high school kids to love the sport. This interview was recorded in late February 2022, just after the Wisconsin High School Curling Championship. Jim, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure for uh, me to be on a show where where uh, people are talking about uh, curling and getting to know and learn all about it and share the wealth with uh, young people. Great to Absol- be here.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of young people, that's that's the topic of this particular episode. We're going to be talking about high school curling in the state of Wisconsin. For those who might not be familiar, uh, Wisconsin has a rich history and tradition of high school curling. And I I wanted you on the podcast tonight, Jim, so that you could give us uh, a state of the union, or not a state of the union, maybe like an overview of what that looks like in your state. And perhaps if uh, the listeners who are listening want to encourage more high school curling in their uh, areas where they're listening, they could uh, take some advice from this uh, podcast tonight. But uh, I want to start with you, Jim. You're a teacher at Wausau West High School uh, in the state of Wisconsin, and you're in charge of the curling program there. Let's just start with asking you about that program. Could you tell us a bit about it? How many kids? What does a practice schedule look like? And maybe even from the beginning of the season, what what does that start of the season look like?
1: Um, We're very fortunate to be one of the schools that kind of have um, a rich history uh, in curling in, in the wassa district itself, we've been curling uh, and have a high school program since 1947. And when the wassa school district split into two high schools and formed wassa West uh, in 1971, uh, we've, we've had a program ever since ever since. So we're very fortunate to have a strong, rich program and support, supported by the district, um, financially and with time commitments. So, so it's, it's wonderful to be a part of that process. This past year, we, we were down a little bit in terms of numbers between boys and girls. We had 25, um, curlers in our program. Typically we're in the mid thirties to, to 40 kids on the ice every year. We start in the middle to late October range. And we just finished up with our state championships here in the end of February. So it's a, it's a longer season for us. We have, um, we treat it just like any other sport at the school where the kids are expected to be in practice, uh, five days a week. We're not always on the ice. Uh, some of the days, probably at least three to four days we're on the ice. And then there's a, a fifth day where we'll be off the ice and we can talk about strategy. We can talk about rules. We can talk about etiquette um, and and be able to uh, kind of elevate our game based on things that we've done. We can watch some old uh, videos of the games, analyze shot choices and slide outs, things like that. We have a, ri- excuse me, we have a wide range of uh, athletes coming in to curling we have people who have been curling since they've been say five uh, all the way up to kids who have never curled at all uh, on the ice and never really stepped on the ice before as a freshman and so we have a wide range and and ability and um, knowledge of the game but Within a couple years' time period, we're able to catch them up and be very competitive with all the other schools that are going on.
0: Oh, thanks, Jim. Uh, how many other schools I, – I yeah, can you, can you give me a broader view of how many other schools are in your area? I, I don't know how it's organized. I, I, I assume that you form teams and you play these other schools, but could you give us a sense of how that works? We have
1: um, kind of – almost three divisions within the state of wisconsin um for high school curling we have we're in the northern division and we have seven schools within an hour range of wasa wasa is kind of the centrally located area of that Um, and then we have a southern division uh, it's called our columbia county um, league and there's there's four schools that are right in that columbia county and then um, occasionally we've got um, some other schools that pop up and kind of form their own smaller divisions. Those two divisions are kind of the mainstays of, of historically uh, of what we have. Recently, the Appleton area um, popped on the scene about 10 years ago, and uh, they've got five schools within their area that they curl against each other and are able to um, kind of compete against each other and then not have to travel quite as far typically we have um in our division we have uh medford is an hour away for us Uh, stevens point is a half hour walpaca is an hour Uh, marshfield's an hour Um, so a lot of times we'll have that hour drive uh, but we also are very fortunate to have an eight club sheet uh, and are able to host um, many events at our at our club and we have uh three this year schools sharing that ice wassa East wassa West and DC Everest and then last year we had a fourth school Mosinee that also shared that ice with us so we've got a lot of activity happening at the club itself and we've got a lot of games coming in there um so we do some traveling um the most that we travel is is usually two hours uh for a trip uh down to maybe madison or um over to appleton but overall it's not too bad in terms of the travel and we usually curl um probably twice a week and it really depends on the club of when the club allows us the opportunities to curl with high school in the Wassa area we have League starting at 5 30 so we need to get our games in before that 5 30 range so oftentimes we will start at three o'clock and play from three to five and get two hours in um, for a game practice wise we practice from three thirty to five o'clock and then prep the ice for league so it's a, a lot of different schools uh, this year there were 16 different schools represented and um, in the past, it's been uh, up to 20 to 24 different teams uh, with a limited number of clubs in the state. I think there's 20 upper 20s uh, clubs in the state. Uh, that's pretty good representation in terms of the number of schools.
0: Sorry, Jim, are you talking about representation at the state championships?
1: Well, at the state championships and even in the um, in regular leagues, uh, of of when we play, some teams that are newer choose not to come to the state tournament, and some some choose to come just for the experience, um, knowing that they are a younger team, uh, but are able to compete with what we have. So not every club is sending a high school team, and not every club has um, kind of established that um, opportunity for kids t- to curl at the high school level uh, but we're trying to get as many as we can
0: right I- I'd like to go back a bit and ask you uh, about uh, these kids that you have in your program that you- you've explained that there are different experience levels some kids have been curling for years and other kids have just joined C- can you go back right to the start I mean if I'm a high school kid and I uh, or maybe i should ask it the other way like how do you find these new kids like uh, i'm sure that other sports are trying to recruit them as well uh how, how do they f- find out about curling I, this is wisconsin so you know it's not you know it's not an unknown sport but yeah i'd be curious to know how you how you get them uh I- into the club
1: well, I do, I do a little recruiting at the beginning of our year. We, we're Wassa West Warriors, and we have what's called Warrior Orienta- Orientation Night or Warrior Welcome Night. And um, what ends up happening is we, clubs and organizations, put out tables, and we have a table that has a curling rock on it, a broom, uh, some shoes, and then we play some some video of the kids curling at a high school event, and have the kids at the table trying to explain, "Hey, this is this is what curling is." And usually, we get a couple kids uh, from that that are walking around and saying, "Hey, this is this sounds pretty interesting. I saw that on the last Olympics. Um, it would be pretty fun to to, to do." Um, but probably the largest um, draw to curling is kids telling other kids about curling and dragging in their friends into curling and say, Hey, you got to try this out. I had, I had a blast when I was curling and it's a good opportunity for kids to be competitive, but still be social. Uh, and, and a lot of, a lot of kids that are even three sport athletes are like, Hey, this is, this is a great opportunity for me to still be athletic. Um, but yet we're not quite as, um, we do, we do different training in terms of, uh, weight training. We do more along the lines of uh, cardiovascular stuff and stretches and core development than straight up the the lifting uh, for the development of the kids. So it's a good opportunity for them to kind of take a, a little bit of a breather if they've had a couple other sports that are um, going a little bit uh, large on them and, and time consuming. So a lot of them like that opportunity to have the combination between the competitiveness and the socialness.
0: Oh, that's great to hear, Jim. <laughs> is, having multi multi sport athletes choose curling as one of those sports. You're in charge of the program there, and you are a teacher at that school. Is that typical of other high schools? Is is it just teachers who help out? Are, are there parents involved? Are curling staff involved?
1: Honestly, I'm, I'm seeing less and less of, of the teachers being involved at the, at the high school level. But if I would um, offer anyone advice in terms of trying to establish a program long term, uh, the best opportunity for uh, maintaining a program long term is to get teachers involved and, and kind of taking control over the program and learning about curling I honestly, I started, um, when my wife and I moved to Wausau, uh, she finished her residency program and we moved to Wausau and I interviewed for a teaching job and they noticed that I coached, uh, and we, we had a young son with no family in the area. So I, I knew that I had to pick up my son at, at by six o'clock from daycare. And I said, I, I can't think, I don't think I can coach much of anything because, the time commitment past six o'clock is just not available. And they said, well, our curling coach just retired. Uh, would you be interested in that? And I said, I saw it on the Olympics and they said that was good enough for, for them. (laughs) And, and so that started 20 years ago. And I did a bunch of clinics and I learned about curling, fell in love with it. My whole family has curled. All five of us, uh, have curled and, um, Honestly, the 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 best approach to that is to be able to have some investment uh, from the school standpoint instead of simply a parent. A parent um, has a tendency to to stick with the program for that time and maybe a couple years after, and then uh, has a tendency to because life is busy uh, to to kind of go away, and and then it's the next family that has to come in and try to establish something. In the Wisconsin program, we've been fortunate to have several coaches, uh, Medford, Marshfield, uh, Appleton, where the parents, where the students had graduated out and the parents are still there uh, supporting the other kids in the programs that they have. So, but that kind of um, says something in terms of the establishment of, of the program itself and um, kind of not wanting to, to let those other kids not have the opportunity. So we've been very fortunate to have a bunch of that, but it gets very hard when you don't have a teacher involved. Uh, and from a standpoint of communication, recruitment, all of those things are good opportunities for, for schools to have teachers involved with that. So I don't know if it's necessary, that, um, a person be an expert in curling before they start, uh, would it, would it help if they know something? Absolutely. Uh, but I don't think that it's necessary. I think there just needs to be a passion for the game, which is not hard to develop that passion and, um, just a a willingness to develop relationships with kids and be able to help them succeed in all the different skills that curling has to offer uh skills and opportunities that curling has to offer uh from life skill developments to cooperation communication um and all the all the little soft skills that i think are probably um having some difficulty uh happening at this particular moment uh With so much communication happening with texting and Snapchat and all the rest of the the social media devices, um, the soft skills that are involved with these things are immense. And they've given my kids, my my own kids and my high school curling kids, they've given them a lot of confidence to go and do other things and be able to communicate with adults and um, be able to interact with people in general.
0: Well, yeah, I, I agree with you when it comes to, you know, it's not necessarily the technical knowledge of the sport that you need. Most people can learn that, <laughs> but uh, it's hard to find someone that uh, works well and communicates well and, and teaches those life lessons. So, uh, yeah, I hear you, Jim. When it comes to any youth program, there's expenses and costs. And uh, where does that money come from? Uh do, do you raise that money? Do, does the the school do the school boards uh, pay for things like ice transportation? I'm sure that people who are listening are, are going to ask that question and, and that's an important one.
1: I'm I'm very fortunate that the school district itself supports um, high school curling for us. We have um, some transportation that's paid for We have some ice to the club. Uh, that's paid for and um, a stipend for for some of my expenses. Uh, but not every school district in the state is, the, is set up the same way. Uh, for instance, uh, Stevens Point uh, does it a little bit different where they're connected more to the club than the actual school. And they actually have um, their high school plus uh, a, a parochial school. Um, that's connected and those combine into the one Stevens Point district, but they just connect directly to the club itself and pay for a junior membership. Whereas um, our kids will pay a user fee to the school and then the school pays a lump sum to the curling club. So it kind of depends a little bit on the curling club itself in what they want to establish. Uh, another school, uh, Appleton, has a situation where again they're not very much connected to the um school, other than having the ability to have the approval for the kids to get out of school early. A- and what they end up doing is they do a lot of fundraising specifically um, by the kids themselves. And um, they end up having to pay some of that on their own and they have an established kind of fee. Hey, this is kind of the cost of, of this. Um, if we enter this bond spiel, we're going to split the cost for that. Um, so some of that lies directly on the kid. Uh, Steven's point gets um, some additional funding from the club itself, and will be able to be supported with kind of like uh, a junior fund, so to speak so there. a lot of the different school districts are different in terms of how they're structured and what the school is willing to do uh with budgets the way they are in the school i i count myself lucky that i I am fortunate that we still do get supported um we're not a wisconsin uh interscholastic interscholastic athletic association member um Because of the numbers of schools that are involved, it's too small for that. Uh, So it's not recognized as that, but there's also it's we still go by all of the varsity um, sport uh, requirements that are um, needed for any other sport that goes. It's not counted as a club sport, so to speak. Um, it's treated as a varsity sport, and and we do all the things that we need to do with that. But the funding part, we don't get our we don't get everything completely funded, and we do fundraisers throughout um, the year to try to eliminate costs to the kids. I have over the years uh, asked club members if they're trading in their shoes for a newer version, and they're lightly used. Um, hey, would you be willing to donate those shoes to the, to the West team so um, kids might be able to try out what it feels like to have regular shoes? And um, I use whatever money that I have in my budget to kind of stockpile, uh, add a broom here, add a broom there, so I've got brooms that everybody can use. And then um, we try to do our fundraising for, for clothing equipment. The uh, we were very fortunate. The, a couple of years ago, the USCA um, transitioned from Nike apparel to Columbia apparel, and and they did a, a rummage sale, so to speak, with uh, with uh, their older clothing, and we were able to get um, clothing at a, a good rate um, to be able to supply for uniforms along those lines. Uh, so we kind of. Uh, hunt and peck, so to speak on, <laughs> um, where we can find equipment, where we can find stuff and then, um, be able to kind of share and update slowly. Um, it is just a—I I view it as a slow process and it's, it's not going to be perfect all at once. Um, but you get this, you get that. And then you get the support of a few people in the club that, hey, you're doing this, a great job. We'd like to give you this, or we'd like to have you to have this broom or um, something along those lines. And uh, it just builds and builds as you go to, to be able to have equipment, have um, some funding to take trips and go to Bonspiels and, and do the things that are gonna make the kids excited about curling.
0: Jim, when you say "club," are, are you talking about the Wasa Curling Center?
1: Well, when I when I'm talking like a club sport, so to speak, um, typically in in our school, a club sport might be um, more of like a an organization that meets, you know, once a week or once every other week, um, and the commitment is a little bit lower than say a traditional high school sport Ah, so so from from that standpoint our expectation is along the lines of uh, a traditional regular sport
0: okay oh no thanks for uh, clarifying that now you were just at the state championship or you, you were you're one of the members of the organizing committee is that fair to say
1: Yep, I'm, I'm the co-chair for the Wisconsin State Curling Association for the high schools.
0: And you recently had your state championship what, like a week ago? Am I remembering yep. this? Yep. yep. Okay. Was- uh, tell me a bit about it. What, what was it like? Where was it? And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Um, Wasa hosted it, and it, it is very convenient for Wasa to host <laughs> um, some of the right. big events just because of the size of it. Uh how we structure it is we've got 16 teams that are invited to the state tournament. Uh, so any, any high school that has been involved with um, kind of league curling play or curls in our Wassa High School Bonspiel, which happens in January, or plays in some other um, junior curling event as a high school team. Any of those teams can submit uh, a, a request to play in the, in the tournament. If we have more than 16 different schools represented on the boys' side and 16 different teams on the girls' side, then we'll rank the teams based on performance, and then the, the lower half will do play-ins to see uh, who will advance into those 16 spots. The 16 spots are divided up into four pools of four and we do a round Robin um, with those four teams. So they play three games. Uh, The winner of each of the pools advances to the semifinals where we would have the highest seed uh, play the lowest seed and then the two middle seeds play, and then we'll have the state championship game. So this, uh, this past weekend uh, I was very fortunate uh, my, my kids curled very very well I had uh, the boys are we actually had two boys teams and two girls teams advance into the state tournament and uh, two out of my my two boys teams both advanced to the semifinals where they ended up playing each other and then uh, my the team that ended up winning that game ended up winning the whole tournament oh wow. It, and then the uh, on the girls' side, our girls um, ended up in the championship game, but uh, ended up on the short end of the straw on that one. So, but it was a very good game, um, very uh, great weekend, uh, fun had by all. We were a little concerned about COVID-related issues. We've taken a cautious approach to COVID. Uh, Cause we know that there's a lot of kids that are still involved in our U 18 championships and U 21 championships, and they still have a lot of curling yet to go right. um, over the next couple months. So we wanted to be a little cautious and uh, we opened up to spectators with uh, 95 masks. And so we had um, all our spectators mask, all the players were masked on and off the ice unless they were eating. And so um They didn't have to curl in a 95 mask, but um, they used surgical masks for that. Uh, But they're still performing and did well. And hopefully we have uh, no large incidences involved with um, anything along those lines. So it was a great weekend, a lot of fun, um, and a lot of people uh, hopefully enjoyed it and had a great time.
0: Well, it sounds great. And congratulations, Coach. Thank you. You mentioned the January high school bond spiel, and I believe you're talking about the TG bond spiel. That is correct. That now, is actually,
1: it's it's named after, um, we, Wassa West has had three high school coaches. We had the very first year we had a coach um, that stuck around a year. And then Dennis TG, uh, who is now retired and living down in Arizona, enjoying the warmth. Uh, and uh, he coached for 30 years. And after he wow. retired, um, we named the Bonspiel after him. And uh, so it, it, uh, it is a great Bonspiel. Um, enjoy to have it.
0: It's been called the biggest high school Bonspiel in the United States. Uh, how many teams are involved? Uh, how big is this thing?
1: This year, we were actually down a little bit because we had 20 girls teams and 16 boys teams involved. But traditionally, we usually have um, in the ballpark of 24 girls teams and 24 boys teams. So right around 48 teams altogether. They range in a lot of abilities from newer curlers up to the most experienced curlers. Uh, So it's actually a great opportunity for the kids to be able to kind of see where they're at if they're at the high level, They can kind of check out their competition and um, see, hey, these people are curling really, really well. Um, We need to step up our game to do this and that. If they're on the lower end, it gives them opportunities. And I always try to talk to those kids and say, hey, we might have a few rough games, but what I really want you to do is I want you to watch the communication skills of of these players because they do a really good job on it watch how they're sliding out, what they're talking about, what their strategy is, uh, picking up the little details of, of things that they're doing. Because I oftentimes will talk about that in practice. And I, I think it's in one year, out the other kind of situation <laughs> sometimes. Um, but when they get on the ice and all of a sudden um, the other team is doing really well, then it's like, hey, here's the motivating factor to, to say, hey, I think coach was talking about this um, let's kind of look for that or let's, let's watch them do this. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm imagining that they're doing that, but I hope that they're doing that because we talk about it all the time and, and we try to get them to kind of, uh, see some of the details. And even, um, my son's team who, who does really, really well, uh, did really well, um, this past year and won it all. Um, he, he's competing at, um, higher levels. And, and really that's what he continues to do every time he plays, um, some of the higher national teams, it's like, okay, let's, let's find something that they're doing that we're not doing. um, that's going to give us kind of that opportunity to, to catch up with them or do the things that they're going to do, and play. So it kind of levels the field, so to speak. Um, as I'm, as, as we're looking at Opportunities, they get good games because we do a regular Bonspiel format. Some of those first games are going to be a little um, lopsided, but eventually they're going to get good games. But they're also going to see good curling, and they're going to be able to pick up and learn a lot of new things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you, as a coach, you could be telling your kids till the cows tell. You could be telling your kids things till the cows come home, but it's. If they see other people, especially around their age, doing it, (laughs) that uh, speaks sometimes louder than anything we'll ever say. Uh.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. That is absolutely true.
0: Uh, Speaking of your son, uh, uh, now you have three children, uh, correct?
1: Yes. My my oldest son is a college student in in the University of Minnesota um, in the Twin Cities. And then my middle son is... A senior in high school, and then my youngest is a my youngest daughter is a freshman in high school.
0: Right, and all of them have had some sort of curling experience. Obviously, the one boy you were talking about, but the others as well. Yep,
1: yes, they've all curled in high school, and they have all done um, some some um, junior curling. My oldest hasn't uh, done a lot of competitive curling uh from from like the usa usa um u18 and u21 standpoint he he was more interested in the high school program and being able to have some social relationships with his friends enjoyed hanging out with that um but didn't want the the u21 commitment uh to travel quite as far um and to practice as much and enjoyed the experience of the high school program.
0: Right. Yeah. I was actually going to follow up right away with that, which is like Canada. I I mean, there are, there is school curling and then there's club curling. So you you have these almost parallel systems of curling and, you know, typically in Canada, at least, you know, the quote unquote, more competitive kids will take that club route where they're playing in the U 18s, U 21s and so on. But, yeah, I I guess that's my way of asking you. So there is this place for high school curling. It might not be at a competitive level, say of that club level, but it does fulfill a purpose. It it, it fills a role in in the junior curling uh sphere, doesn't it?
1: I I think it's really important from a standpoint of club development because you're going to have the junior competitive scene and and those kids Um, are going to be very passionate about curling and, and there's probably going to be some involvement with curling for the rest of their life, but the, the main backbone of, of any, uh, curling club itself is going to be a general membership that enjoys competing with other people, but isn't necessarily out to be able to go to the Olympics. And the high school program has an opportunity for those kids to experience competition, which a lot of people really enjoy the the aspect of having competition and be able to compete and measure up your abilities, but not necessarily have it be a situation where um, it's kind of cutthroat. There's still an opportunity for kids to socialize. We've had some, the last two years haven't been as, as much of an ability with COVID related stuff to, to socialize, but we encourage, um, in, in typical years during our bond spills, we encourage the, the socialization after the game like they do in any other club where the kids sit around and, and drink, uh, not not drink beer, but drink a soda (laughs) and, uh, and have some food and, and do that sort of thing. Um, so so from, from a standpoint of socializing, in, in enjoying that, developing relationships and, and feeling like they're part of the curling club is a big development in terms of being able to have clubs grab and hold on and maintain their um, membership because uh, we're seeing people have many, many opportunities to do lots of different things and being able to grab them and feel like they're a part of something is is an important aspect of maintaining membership
0: well jim i think you've started to answer my last question <laughs> so i'll uh, i'll continue along that line which is wisconsin as far as i know is the only state that has a high school championship at least at that official level uh you've had that the state has had a long tradition of of this high school curling and some of my listeners might be listening and thinking, you know, I, I want to start this. Maybe not as the extent of like a whole state, but maybe even in their community, their city, uh, and introduce or reintroduce high school curling again. Maybe may, – what, what advice would you give them? Uh, what, what first steps could they take to, to get kids in high school uh, back into the fold? I
1: have been thinking about that quite a bit, and um, because I do get that question when um, I've coached at various different camps uh, through, throughout um, the U.S. when when they pop up, and I get that question from various different people, and and I think it probably even goes back to the beginnings of our school high school high school program itself. And, and that was really back to 1947 when it wasn't necessarily a league, but it became, um, a high school bond spiel and, and our high school had a team and they heard about this bond down. I believe it was down in Portage and, um, they organized a team, got a, got a, um, supervisor to take them down and, and they went down and they competed and I think they, they competed in one other Bonspiel that year. But then um, they kept doing it over the next couple years. And then finally they were like, hey, in 1953, so six years later, um, they said, hey, we should host this, we should host a Bonspiel. So that was the first year that they hosted something. And then, so we've hosted something nearly every year after not quite every year after, but, um, we've now had 69 high school bonspiels. So, so that's pretty darn wow. good. Um, and so we've been, we've been hosting then. And then another six years later in 1959 was when kind of the first state championships were held for, for boys. And, uh, that was just a process of, Hey, we, we want to curl a little bit more than, um, a couple times a month, and and go to a, have a, have a little bit more curling going on than than just those weekends, um, and so teams started to kind of talk to each other and and formed that opportunity to to play each other during the week, and and it even and I don't know with today's um, the way today's society is um, right or wrong or whatever. Uh, but back in the day, uh, the old timers at our club would talk about high school curling and how they would go down and a team would host them for the Bonspiel. So everybody would stay at somebody's house um, from an opposing team and they'd stay with them. And then when we hosted our Bonspiel, they would host that team back and somebody would host them um, to share or cut some of the expenses that we have. So I don't know how well that would work right now. All of our teams kind of do hotels um, from, from a safe sport uh, aspect in terms of what we right. have. But uh, it, that's kind of where it started. And and it gave, uh, you know, you talked about the funding and where do we get the funding, sharing some of those housing stuff. And even um, with my my son's team, we will oftentimes on the comp- – on the competitive side, if somebody's coming up, we'll do some house sharing with that stuff too. Um, Not at the high school level, but um, at the competitive level, we do some of that to help us out. But starting with those bond spiels, starting with opportunities where kids are going to curl against other high school kids, and they're going to see kids that are at some similar levels and kids that are at, maybe a little bit better levels. So they have something to aspire to, um, gives them some motivation. My, uh, my colleague that I coach with out of Appleton, he, uh, he had always been saying, I wish I could just get my kids to come up to TG experience that bond spiel and they're going to be hooked. Mm -hmm. And then like 10 years ago, he got a, a group of like five or six teams to come up and they've been steady, um, high school curling teams ever since. And, and the excitement and the, um, the, just the camaraderie of being able to talk and share with people that they know from year to year, is really just, uh, an exciting kind of adventure for the kids and an opportunity for them to, to grow as people and grow in their experiences, so. I guess if I had some advice, um, start slow with some high school bond spiels. Um, Maybe have, see if you can get coordinated with a few um, teams, and they don't have to be great teams to start, um, but get some, a couple teams from each of the schools, get together. And we separate by boys and girls, but when you're first started, it's okay if they're open and they have different combinations of, of kids and, and maybe eventually you'll get um, opportunities for all male or all female teams. We've even been throwing around the idea. Should we be doing something with doubles Hmm. Um, as, as that sport gains in popularity, we haven't been doing a lot of development of younger kids in doubles down here. And, um, so, you know, we, maybe that's an opportunity too, where you only have to have two from the, from the high school rather than four, but, but getting them out, um, going to different clubs, uh, seeing different people, uh, all of those things, uh, brings excitement to curling where we're just kind of staying at home all the time and doing the same thing doesn't doesn't attract the attention that it could
0: well no thank you jim that that was fantastic uh, fantastic advice for all of our listeners and uh i i guess uh if people wanted to get in touch with you about uh the wisconsin high school curling association uh, or just wanted to uh get in contact with you uh what would be the best way to do that um
1: you can email me at J W E N D L I N G at Wasa W A U S A U Schools.org. Um or and and that should be um if you go to Wasa West High School, uh, a link to my email is there as well. Uh so you can get a hold of me by email. Um and uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions. We can get on a phone call or do a, a Zoom or a Google Meet or something like that uh, where we have opportunities to talk. I, I enjoy talking curling, if, it, if, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just enjoy all the things that it brings and opportunities that it brings kids um, and even brings uh, club members from different generations to be able to experience uh, the kids and, and experience all the good things that we have. I'm very fortunate to have uh, a really strong group of kids that are interested in, um, strategy and, and the details of curling. And, um, we have so many great kids out there and it's great to have all generations be able to um, kind of see and experience and, and, uh, play with them. I just, uh, was talking to, uh, um, one of our club members and he was like, yeah, I just, I was going through some pictures and I had a picture of your son when he was in sixth grade and he was throwing cr- against, uh, Bill Edwards, who at the time was, was one of our older club members and he was in his mid eighties and Wes was, um, 12 at the time. <laughs> and, and we had a, and they so it was like the contrast of, of youth versus experience um, and experience uh, uh, reigned supreme that day. Um, but it was a close <laughs> game and it was it was just neat to see. Um, and I and I actually still have that picture as well um, of them sitting around by the fireplace and chatting and um, just for them to be able to kind of share some experiences of when they were in high school and and when they did high school curling uh was just a neat experience to have. And um just kind of uh I, I I hope that for um many clubs uh to build membership and uh kind of build an understanding between generations because sometimes that stuff gets lost.
0: Absolutely. Curling uh, Curling's a very unique sport in that regard where you could have Four generations on the ice at the same time, if you really uh, were keen to do that. So, no, thanks for sharing that, Jim. Now, on a slightly different tangent before I let you go, hey, the Olympics were on. (laughs) So my question is, did you watch the Olympic curling? And we always hear about an Olympic bump. Uh, Is that going to happen for high school curling or for your youth programs? Or uh, what do you think about uh, the Olympic bump theory?
1: Um, I, I unfortunately didn't get to watch as much curling as I wanted to. I, um, did, I'll, I'll do a plug here for Peacock. Um, and <laughs> who's, who's doing all the streaming. I did become a member so that I can watch some of the games later on, but it's been a very busy, uh, last few weeks for me. And I've been down at the curling club most of the time. So I've, I've missed a lot of the games, but I'm planning on going back and watching. I did see, um, Kind of a little bit of interest in the high school level, but our club itself did see um, a pretty big boost. We've got a, I think a ninety-six person learn to curl scheduled for this coming Saturday.
0: Oh my god! So that's
1: that's a a, a nice big learn to curl opportunity that we have. Um, so so that was that was good for us. Um, but I I'm and I'm hoping. Honestly, I'm hoping for, I don't really get to see um, a big bump right at the end of our season. Um, a few kids have asked, and I, and I run a couple extra weeks of opportunities for them to come down. So I've had a few people come down, but I, I don't know what that's going to translate to to next year for the high school program. But I'm hoping that it does. And uh, I, I do think uh, we experience a little down trend in our membership general membership from the club and and high school membership but i'm i'm hopeful that we can that the olympics are coming at the right time and and do that boost in any exposure that we have to the amount of of tv play that we've been getting lately um, down here uh, is is very helpful uh, we, we don't have quite the coverage that canada has in in terms of of uh, continuous curling coverage. Uh, there are clubs and people, uh, down here who, um, subscribe to some satellite TV so that they can watch it. Uh, we also just do a lot of streaming of YouTube stuff. So, um, it's kind of, it's, it's good though, because, uh, it gets out to the general population and I'm hopeful that, that we're going to be in that, low to mid-30s range for our high school, and our club's going to get a little boost here too.
0: Okay. Well, Jim, uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. So that was my interview with Jim. If you're a supporter of this podcast, I encourage you to follow our Twitter account, which is the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. One more time, the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. I'll also have that Twitter handle listed in today's show notes. This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com To follow the podcast for free, visit our website coachingkidscurling.com You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The intro and outro music is Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good curling.